So earlier this week, I received some correspondence from um, somebody, um, somebody who none of you would know. But I uh, received some correspondence, and this uh, person basically said uh, they've had it, had it with the church. Um, they're not going to come anymore. And um, they said, I don't want to be led back out back to the days of of a PPO, and he put in parentheses because I didn't know what PPO was. Evidently stands for pray, pay, and obey. He says, I don't want to be brought back to the days of pay, pray, and obey. And um, that's not, basically, that's not my idea of the Catholic Church, and I'm not going to go there, so I'm out. I didn't respond, uh, at least immediately, because I didn't know exactly what to say, but as I was thinking about what to say, I was thinking about, well, that's what this Sunday's readings are talking about, aren't they? Paying, praying, and obeying. Not as the world understands this, and certainly not as what the, the devil wants you to think of it. The devil wants you to get on the bandwagon with the rest of our society and culture and say, yeah, the church, they just want to control you and oppress you and take all your money. They're evil, aren't they? Pay, pray, pay, pray, and obey. Yeah, just think about that. They just want, they just want to control you. And many people don't even critically think about what they're saying. And so many people, they're just going to jump on the bandwagon and say, I've had it with the church and leave without even giving an, a second of thought to what they're saying or doing. Now, I was thinking about it this past week. I was like, have I asked people to pay, pray, and obey since I got here five, I think five weeks ago? Have I asked people to do that? I don't think I've asked anybody to pay anything for me. <laughs> um, I can live on quite, quite a, a very little amount. I remember growing up, and this is, this is honest uh, truth. Um, when I was six or seven, I, I remember my mom would line us up, my brother and sister and I, on, at the, in front of the, the ironing board, because that was our table. We didn't have a kitchen table for, for many years after that. And I still remember, we, I remember the day we had uh, plumbing brought into our kitchen. I was about eight or nine years old. Before that, we'd help buckets of water, five-gallon buckets full of water to wash dishes in. That's when I was eight or nine. And I can survive on very little. I, I don't think I've asked anybody to pay, especially for me, anything. In fact, I told the parish council when I first got here, I said, you know what? For the first five months, I'm not going to accept a dime of priestly salary. Not a dime from this parish or the other parishes either. Because I want to have some money to, to do some things which I think will help to tremendously improve this parish. So I'm not going to accept a dime. And what was going to be spent on my salary is going to go back into some of these, these projects to improve things. No, I, you're not going to get me ever asking you for money. If I ever come up here and during the homily I'm asking for money, it means, honestly, it means we're flat broke, Okay. Like, we're not going to have lights next week if, if you hear me say that, honestly. You know, the bishop has asked the priest to uh, advertise, ask people to pay, um, to contribute to the uh, annual Catholic appeal. 
uh, to run the, be able to run the diocese. And out of obedience to the bishop, I, I am going to write letters to, to people asking that. But in the homily, you will never, ever, ever ask me or hear me ask you for money, ever, ever. I remember, uh, this was 20 years ago, before I was in the seminary, I was a scientist in the army, living in Tacoma, and I had some very good friends. They, they basically adopted me, and I was eating d dinner at their house a lot. And um, so one Sunday, they invited me to, to uh, mass. It was uh, the husband, wife, and their girls were about ages three and six, I think, at the time. So they invited me to their, to their Protestant church. Uh, they belonged to the Assembly of God. So I went to Mass earlier that morning and uh, went to uh, their church later in the morning. It was a very interesting experience. I mean, walking into this church in Tacoma, I thought I was in a, in a mini mall for a while. I mean, you had the coffee shop, you had the bookstore, you had the uh, daycare, you had the souvenir shop, and all this stuff. I thought, well, this is pretty interesting. I've never seen this in a Catholic church before. And then we finally walk into this big auditorium, and it had stadium seating. It's like I was in a concert because there's a huge screen with graphics and videos. And in front of the screen was this band, and this band was pretty good. It sounded like a professional band. And they were playing, and it was loud. It was like being at a concert, being entertained. I thought, well, this is interesting. And so this band played for about... 20, 25, maybe 30 minutes. And after that, the, this uh, Protestant preacher gets up and he, within the first four or five minutes, he, he says, um, there's some of you who aren't paying. And we know who you are. Some of you are freeloading. You're here and you're not paying your fair share. And we know who you are. And I thought, holy cow. And I turned to my friend and I said, I've never heard anything like this before. And he goes on, he goes on for like 15 or 20 minutes talking about this. I'm not exaggerating. He says, we know who you are. You're not paying. We need your money and you need to give it to us. And at that very moment, no exaggeration, at that very moment, my friend's last name starts flashing on the screen right behind the preacher. It's like, and I turn to my friend and say, hey man, he's talking about you. He says, no, no, that, that means my girls are misbehaving in the daycare. But even to, this happened 20 years ago, and my good friend, he lives in Arkansas now, and I called him two months ago, and I, we still joke about this. I still tease him about this. I say, hey, man, he was talking about you. Your name was flashing on the screen. As he's saying, we know who you are. You're never going to hear me say that we need your money. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. We are created out of unconditional, merciful love, a complete, generous gift from God. He doesn't need us. No, you know, but if we look at the scriptures, the scriptures are asking people to tithe, both the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Why? I think because it's a reminder. It's a reminder to us that God has given us everything. God has given you and I everything. Everything that you have, in one way or another, came from God except for sin. Everything else came from God. You were born into this world naked. You will leave this world naked. You're not going to have a, a, a wad of cash in your casket. It's not going to happen. God has given you everything. And it's a reminder to us. You know, when we, when we say, thank you, God, for what you've given to me, I choose to 
take a portion of that and give back to, to your church or to a ministry, to the poor or whatever. It's a reminder to us that God provides for us. And, it's, and it helps us, I, I honestly believe in, in our trust, that he will continue to provide for us. So if I ask people to, to pay, no, the scriptures do. And if we look at the readings, you know, the woman, the, the widow at Zarephath, think about it. This isn't a very trying time in, in, the, in the Jewish nation. You know, they, it's, uh, bad king after bad king after bad king just, just continue to plunge the, the Jewish people into just misery. If you back up just a couple of verses from where we began the first reading, you'll see that you know, things were a mess. There's famine uh, in, throughout, the, throughout the Holy Land, and people are fending for themselves, trying to find food wherever they can. And Elijah, he's hungry. He just gets done being fed by ravens. And then God tells him, go to this widow of Zarephath and her son, and she's going to feed you. And if you back up just two verses, you'll see that the God planted in her heart too, in her prayer, that she was going to feed Elijah. So Elijah shows up, he's starving. He says, uh, can you please give me some food? And the, and the woman says, well, I would love to, but this cup of flour and this little bit of oil is everything that my son and I have. I was going to make this last loaf of bread. We were going to eat it, and then we were going to die from starvation because this is everything we have. And Elijah says, well, that's nice, but feed me first. And she does. She gives everything to Elijah, paying everything. And what happens? She receives after that. Her, her, the flour and the oil don't go dry for a, for a year for her and her son. She's blessed incredibly. If I ask people to pay, no, no, and I'm not going to. The scriptures ask us, though, not for God's sake. He doesn't need it, but for our sake. You and I need it. I've asked people to pray. Mm, yeah. Every Sunday, I'm asking you to pray. Shouldn't be a surprise, I don't think. If you come to Mass and, and the priest is asking you to pray, that should not be a surprise to anybody, right? In fact, if I didn't ask you to pray, I would be sinning. I would be sinning. I would be negligent in my, my pastoral duties and responsibilities. Prayer is very important. You know, we, see, we even see Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus is the Son of God, and even he goes off to the mountaintop throughout the Gospels to pray to God, to know the will of God. And that's how you're going to know the will of God, is through your prayer. You know, you're not going to get a text message from God saying, you know, I know you've been struggling with a decision, and here's my answer. It's not going to happen. You can wait and wait. It's never coming. You're not going to get a phone call or email. You're not going to get a package from God. How is he going to communicate to you what his will is, what his holy and perfect and loving will for you is? It's through prayer. It's through prayer. You have to pray to know the will of God. You have to. That's the only way to know it. I often ask people, I'll say, what's, what's your family prayer like? What's your personal prayer like? They'll say, nine times out of ten, well, Father, we pray before meals. We pray grace before meals. I said, well, that's nice, but that's not good personal prayer, especially if you want to know the will of God. I mean, think about it. You're sitting at the table, or the ironing board. You're sitting at the table, right? The food is in front of you. 
You can smell it. Your stomach is telling you it's time to eat. And you think those 17 seconds of, of grace before meals, God is going to reveal his holy and perfect will to you? You think God is going to reveal his great love, his power, and his design for your life in those 17 seconds while your stomach is saying, can you hurry up now? No, it's not going to happen then. There has to be something else. My master's degree in, uh, from seminary was in spirituality. So over the, next, the course of the next weeks or months, depending on how long the bishop keeps me here, over the next weeks or months, I'm going to teach you some ways to pray. And some of you have never been able to pray comfortably before. You've been struggling to find a way to pray. And that's because people have different personalities and they have different ways in which they can pray. And some of you have never really experienced the way in which your heart was created to pray. I'm going to hopefully be able to teach you some of those ways. So have I been asking people to pray? Yes. Am I going to continue to ask you to pray? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you ever go to Mass and the priest isn't encouraging you to pray, you should go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Have I been asking people to obey? Well, I've been asking people to obey the commandments and the teachings of the church. As a priest, I think I should be doing that, right? I mean, they're the commandments and the teachings of the church. So I should be encouraging people to obey God's commandments. A lot of people, they don't understand the commandments. They think that the commandments were given to them to hinder their freedom. They think that God is trying to punish them by, by imposing these commandments, these rules, these restrictions on their life. And they misunderstand the commandments. The commandments are like road signs warning us of what's coming up ahead, cautioning us. You know, if you do this, this is going to lead you astray, and it's going to distract you from heaven. The commandments are in place. The commandments are given to us to get you to heaven. The commandments are given to us out of love. Never forget that. The commandments are given to us out of love. So do I want you to obey the commandments? Yes. Do I want you to go to heaven? Yes. Can you get to heaven without following the commandments? I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't bet on it. Yes, I want people to obey the commandments. It shouldn't be a shocker. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. If you ever go to, uh, to Mass and the priest says, you know, I know that God says God has given us commandments, but you just do whatever you want. Leave immediately and find another church. Because that priest is going to be leading you astray if he's saying that. Don't take my word for it. Jesus Christ in the scriptures. Just open up the New Testament. You'll find it there. And we look at, once again, the, the scriptures today. We see in the, um, I explained earlier, in the, the widow of Zarephath, how she paid, but she's also praying. If you back up a couple verses, you'll see that God conveyed to her heart through prayer that she was going to be, she was going to encounter this prophet Elijah. So she was prayerful. 
And she's obeying. She's obeying what God told her to do. And she's obeying what God told her to do also through the words of, of Elijah. So she was paying and praying and obeying. We look at the, at the widow in the, in the New Testament. You know, we put this in the context. They're in the temple. People are dropping Ben Franklin's into the, into the collection there. And this woman comes up and puts two quarters in. People are probably laughing at her or sneering or, or mocking her. And Jesus makes a point of pointing her out to his disciples and say, look at that woman. She's given more than anybody else. And you know what? That temple treasury didn't need her two quarters. It didn't need the 50 cents. But listen to what Jesus said about that. It's powerful. Did the temple need it? No. Did she need to give it? Yes. And all of us needed her to give it too because of that example. She was paying. And she was also praying. Think about She's not doing this in the marketplace. This is in the temple. She's there to pray. And she's also obeying. You know, God, once again, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, relayed the importance of tithing to us. She was tithing, obeying the word of God. So praying, or paying, praying, and obeying. You know, if we listen to what the world is saying about that, it's going to be very easy to get on the bandwagon and say, oh yeah, the church is mean, the church is evil, Father, he's crazy and he just wants to control you, whatever. But I'm asking people to apply critical thinking and reasoning skills to what the church is asking us to do. To think twice, to give more than three seconds of thought to what people are telling you, your family or your friends, your your news media, your movies, your books, whoever, whatever they're saying about the church. Think about it. Okay, is the church asking me to pay, pray, and obey? Well, yes, it is, but not for the reasons what society's asking. It's to help us. It's to help you and I to continue the course to heaven. Over the next couple weeks or months, you're going to see a few, um, a few more subtle differences uh, here at St. Anthony's. And uh, I'd ask you to just apply critical thinking and critical reasoning skills to what is happening, to what I'm saying and to what I'm doing. Because there's a lot of things happening at this parish, like every other parish I've ever helped at in the world. People do things, and they're not sure why they do it. They're not sure why they've been doing it this way. They don't know how it started, and they don't know why it's continuing. And some of those, I'm going to ask you to apply critical reasoning and, and thinking skills to. And I'm going to explain what the church is asking and why the church is asking. I'm going to ask you to separate yourself from the bandwagon, from what everybody else is saying in society about, oh, the church is wanting you to do this because of this. No, I'm going to ask you to open your mind to the Holy Spirit so that you can know what the will of God is within the liturgy of Holy Mother Church. Now, I will promise you this. If I ever have an opinion... I will state it beforehand that this is my personal opinion. Everything else, 
Everything else is coming from the instructions, which are in the Roman Missal there, and the guidelines given to me by, by Holy Mother Church, and specifically uh, the bishop of this diocese. Once again, you know, it's, it's very important for us to, to not follow the rest of society and, and thinking or, or saying, you know, something that the church is not thinking or saying. But for us to really think about, you know, why is God asking us to do these things? It's not to terrorize us. It's not to hinder us. It's not to give us a hard time in our life. But it's to help us on our way to heaven. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.